Well, welcome to Ethan Callison Sermons Podcast. I am not going to be teaching today. I'm excited that a good friend of mine, Matt Novinsky, is bringing God's word from 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3-4, through 4, as he looks at a new look at a new year. Matt is a good friend of mine. He's also our student director here at Fellowship Community Church North Campus, and I know that God has something in store for you in this message. So as you listen, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal who God is to you. Without further ado, a new look at a new year. Well, I hope you guys had a Merry Christmas this week. Um, Can you believe that we're just days away from those big numbers that we've waited for all year long, known as 2021, 2021. We're days away from getting out of 2020. And uh, I've noticed as we approach the new year, that there are two different ways that I feel like people are viewing at the new year. Uh, on the one hand, uh, I think there's people that view 2021 as this magic eraser of sorts. Uh, like once that clock goes to midnight on January 1st, it's going to erase all of the junk that we've experienced in 2020, and it's in the past, and we're, we're onward. 2021 is a year of prosperity and everything that's opposite of 2020. But then I look on the other side and I see people that are dealing with some of the long-term effects of 2020, people that lost a lot of income in 2020 that are going to have to live a little bit differently in in 2021 or uh, what schools are going to look like, that type of thing still here um, in in the new year. And I actually found uh, online last night, I was, I was looking at some articles, and, and I found these two different perspectives just in two different articles. Uh, there was a Forbes article uh, that someone wrote that, that was talking about their business, and, and they were like, man, now that, now that 2020 is over, we can do all this in 2021. And, and, and I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, man, we're still in a pandemic. Not to be a negative Nancy, right? But still in a pandemic. Still got a financial crisis, right? Unemployment's still high. And it's like, 2020 is just going to be gone. And I saw this other article that was uh, another business article, and and it said kind of the opposite. It said, like, as we prepare our business for 2021, here's some things we're going to be dealing with as we plan. We're going to be potentially dealing with fewer funds that we lost from last year. We're going to be potentially dealing with fewer employees uh, that we lost from last year. We're going to be dealing with maybe new health code policies that HR and everybody has to enforce now. And so there's two different ways of, of looking at uh, the new year. And the reality is uh, we hope, right, for, we hope for the best in the new year. Uh, Pastor Ethan always says that uh, there's the real and there's the ideal. And with God, you know, he kind of takes us out of the real towards the ideal. And, you know, things kind of happen somewhere in the middle uh, for most people as a, as a Christian. Uh, but the reality is, you know, we really don't, we really don't know um, what 2021 is going to look like. We can plan four things. Um, I play in a band, and, and I'm, I've got prom- friends who are promoters, and I'm already seeing them book concerts for April and May, and everybody's excited, and uh, th- there's this feeling in the air, right, that things are going to be a little bit different, and we, we hope for that. But the reality is we, we don't really know what 2021 is going to look like necessarily as we plan. As you guys saw, our plans can get derailed really, really quickly uh, as they were in 2020. I mean, just earlier this year, we weren't even meeting here. We were on totally online, and it was a while 
right? It felt like a while at least before we could come back in person. Just not too long ago this summer, our student ministry was meeting outside uh, Jay and Sierra's backyard for, for a long time. And then we finally came back here at the end of the year. So we don't know uh, what 2021 is going to look like, but here's the reality as we approach the new year. I feel like for 2021, whichever view you tend to kind of lean towards, whether you're more of an optimist or you're more of a pessimist on how 2021 is going to look like, I feel like this year there's, there's more anxiety and there's more, uh, there's more worry about how 2021 is going to turn out, more concern about how this next year is going to turn out. And as we approach the end of 2020, the truth is some of us are in a place that we didn't really expect. Some of us have maybe changed jobs. Maybe we're, maybe we're in a financial situation. Maybe, maybe you lost a job this year, and you're wondering how God is going to provide in 2021. Or uh, maybe you're a parent, and maybe you have a, a child that's in school, and you and your spouse are struggling to keep up with the deadlines because of some work being turned in in class and some of it needing to be turned in online. And maybe uh, you're having to take different shifts just to make sure that your child gets their work in on time. But maybe your situation right now, as we approach the end of 2020, maybe it has nothing to do with 2020 at all. Maybe there's something personal that's going on in your life. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe you have a marriage uh, that's not going the way that you thought it was. Maybe your marriage is starting to fall apart. Maybe it's something uh, totally different from, from those things. But truthfully, as we approach the end of 2020, we're, we're all dealing with something in some way or another. And oftentimes, when we get to the end of the year, we want to see a better year next year. We, we start to make what's called New Year's resolutions, right? We're going to do something different next year. And the reason why we make resolutions is because we want something to change that we didn't like this previous year that, that we want to see the following year. And a lot of times these are personal things. A lot of times these are personal decisions we make. But the problem is we're not perfect people. Nobody is perfect. And oftentimes we set out to do something and we fail to make it happen um, just because of a variety of things. And we're going to talk about that in a few minutes. But but the, the, the truth is we're, we're just imperfect people. We, we don't always do what we say we're going to do. We don't always do what we set out to do. And that can become a road that leads to even more despair when we're not able to accomplish what we wanted to accomplish. So instead of looking at what maybe we can do differently or what we can do for God even uh, in this new year, um, we're going to look this morning in what God has promised our do for us, what God has promised us. Okay, so this morning, uh, our goal is to develop a new look at a new year. We're going to see this uh, in our main text this morning, uh, which is in 2 Peter chapter 1. This is verses 3 and 4. So it says here, this is an easy-to-read version here. Uh, it says, Jesus has the power of God, and his power has given us everything we need to live a life devoted to God. We have these things because we know him. Jesus chose us by his glory and goodness, uh, through which he also gave us the very great and rich gifts that he promised us. With these gifts, you can share in being like God, and so you will escape the ruin that comes to people in the world 
because of the evil things that they want. Uh, so this is our main text this morning, and, and we're, we're talking about having a new look at a new year. So I believe that this text shows us three truths uh, that we can remember and believe in that will allow us to change our perspective and have that. Okay, the first of those truths is found here in verse 3, and it's that God gives me the power for living. So every morning you wake up, and you have a normal routine, most of us do. Sometimes it gets a little derailed if you have kids or a pets or something like that. But most of us have a morning routine, and we don't typically think about our daily lives. But truthfully, the Bible has a lot to say about our daily lives. A lot of times when we think of like, well, what is God's will for our life? We think of like, man, what am I going to do for a career? Or like, what am I going to do for a living? Like, I want to go, I want to do something great. But those are, those are good things, but the, the reality is God, uh, God has a lot to say about our, our daily lives. There's a, there's a lot of passages that say, like, it is God's will uh, that you abstain from sexual immorality, or it is God's will, right, that you give to others or serve others, those types of things. And those are all, like, things in our daily lives that a lot of times we just don't think about. Just kind of like you have a morning routine. You don't, you don't really think about your morning routine. You just kind of do it. But God has a lot to say about our daily lives here. Look at this in verse 3. It says that his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And I look at this, I look at the end of that phrase, and I see those words life and godliness, and I think, what more do we need than life and godliness? I mean, I really can't think of anything that we need uh, more so than those two things. We, we have life, right? And we can experience that with each other. And we're called to be and changed to have a form of godliness as we follow God. So this tells us here that God gives us the power pretty much to, uh, and in other words, to, to live on a day-to-day basis as a Christian. Uh, another way to read this is to say that God gives us the power uh, to live as a like what we see here day-to-day on a, on a daily level. Uh, so this is not unlike what we see here in 1 John uh, chapter 5, verse 4. It says here, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, which is our faith. Uh, so what this tells us here is that God has given us power. He's given us victory over things that uh, try to control us. And he's given us all on his own, the ability to do that. These are, these are supernatural abilities here that God has given us. We don't, we're not born uh, with a godly ability to resist things. That comes uh, after we put our faith in Christ. Uh, that, that's something that we get as a believer. When you believe in Jesus, uh, you receive the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is going to enable you to do things on a spiritual level that previously you could not do before. And that's kind of what this passage is getting at here. Uh, the, the, the same power, even. There's a popular song that says this, but the same power that lives within us, the same power that rose Jesus from the grave. Like, think about that. Think about that. The scripture says the same power that rose Christ from the grave is the same that is at work within us. Can anybody in here raise yourself from the dead? I don't think so. If you do, we need to maybe have a conversation. Well, I lost some people this year, right? Some of you did too. And you, you want those people back, but there's nothing you can do about it. I mean, once, somebody, once you lose them, you've lost them. But this says here, the same power 
that rose Jesus literally from the dead is the same power that lives in us. And we don't think about that a whole lot, do we? I mean, that's a, that's a massive idea, a massive statement to try and wrap our head around the reality that God gives us that same power that was at work there. And I, and I think about this, I think about God's power, and I think like, man, what can I even, what can I even use to describe the way that uh, God's power works? And here's what comes to my mind. Uh, this is going to sound silly, but a coffee bean reminds me uh, of how God's power works and, and sometimes how, how we forget about it. Let me explain. Uh, so about a week ago, um, I meet with Ethan, Pastor Ethan, once a month. Uh, to go over a lot of different things, and uh, it's called our one-on-one. And so I had my one-on-one at Pastor Ethan's house this past Monday. And uh, I come in, and he goes, hey, man, do you want some coffee? And I said, yeah, uh, I would love some coffee. And, you know, I thought he was just going to throw like a K-cup in, get some, get some coffee, throw some creamer, or maybe, maybe he already had a pot brewing. And I see him, he starts pulling out all this stuff. And uh, it's the stuff I haven't even seen before. And I'm watching him pull this stuff out, and it turns into this, like, 20-minute nerd-fest monologue over coffee beans and the flavor that exists within these beans. And uh, he, he had this scale that, uh, that could weigh, like, the amount of water so that you had just, like, just the perfect amount of water so that you could extract the maximum flavor uh, from these coffee beans. And uh, I don't want to butcher, like, all of his uh, coffee info. I don't want to say anything wrong. But I, I think from what, from what I got from him is the gist of it is you can get more flavor out of coffee beans depending on, like, how you extract uh, the flavor. So basically what he was saying is if you have ground coffee, uh, it doesn't have the same flavor as if you can, you can get it out of the bean another way. Uh, something about the air, like, touching all of the grounds or something like that. And uh, so what he did is he took these beans that he probably got from another country somewhere and put them in this, like, funnel. It's kind of poured over, pour over, whatever. And he's, he's like, pouring this exact amount of water, and it's just filtering the, the perfect amount. And it gets, finally fills up. And I'm looking at it, and I, I said, uh, am I supposed to put creamer in here? Because I put a lot of creamer in my coffee. And he goes, well, you want to you offend me if you put creamer in it. And I thought, well... I'll just drink it without creamer. Like, I'll just try it. So I, no joke, try this coffee. And I'm drinking it, and I'm, I'm, I'm shocked because I don't need creamer. Like, Ethan was right. These were, this was the most flavorful cup of coffee I've ever had. It had no cream, no sugar. And I'm blown away. And I think there's some truth to what he says about the beans, that there's a certain way that we have to extract the flavor from these beans to get the maximum flavor. Guys, I feel like it's the same way sometimes when it comes to our relationship with God and the power he's given us. The Bible tells us he's already given us this power. But a lot of times we, we don't live in light of it. We don't live in light of the reality of that. We forget it. We don't think about it. We don't realize it. But it's there. And just like those coffee beans, like there's a, there's a bunch of flavor just waiting to be explored and, ex- <laughs> and experienced. And God has given us this power that we can use and experience to overcome uh, the things in our life that we need to overcome. Uh, This is a quote here from Dr. Henry Brandt. It says here, uh, you can use your background as an excuse for present behavior only until you receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. 
after that, you have a new power within you that is able to change your conduct. So this tells us here, it's, a, it's another quote that says, we have new power within us. We don't have to live without it. We don't have to live as if we don't have this power. Okay? So the first truth to develop a new look at the new year is to remember uh, that God gives me the power for living. The second truth, very similar to the first, but God gives me the promises for living. So power and promises. This is verse 4. It says here, uh, he has granted to us his precious and very great promises. So pretty much everybody in this room, if I were to go around the room and say, name a time in which you failed to keep a promise to somebody, all of us would have an example. None of us have ever kept our word entirely perfectly. And sometimes, sometimes it's not our fault, right? Sometimes things get in the way. Sometimes there's other factors. There's extra circumstances that get in the way. A, a lot of times when, when we want to do better at something, we make a promise to somebody or to ourselves, we have all the intent in the world. It's not that we want to have ill intent. It's not that we're lazy uh, a lot of times. It's, it's that other things get in, involved. Other things get in the way. And through all that, we, we kind of lose track and lose our way. Uh, if you guys want to see just a, a really tangible example of this, go to Green Ridge Gym today and see how many people are there today and then go back on January 2nd and see how many people are there on January 2nd. What you'll notice is on January 2nd, you're going to have a little more trouble finding a parking spot because of the amount of people that have joined Green Ridge on January 2nd because they want to get in shape. They want to lose weight. They're going to start this new year strong. We're going to hit the treadmill. We're going to hit the bench press. And you show up on January 2nd and you can't even... You can't even hit the flat bench because there's a line waiting for it. That's like you're at an amusement park full of people just waiting to get on the ride. There's a line of people just waiting to hit that flat bench. So you leave, but you come back on January 14th, January 15th. You start to notice, hey, man, that line is like half as long as it was two weeks ago. Now, I might, I might be able to hit the, hit the flat bench today. And then by like... The end of January, like definitely by like February 1st, it's back to normal. You can hit the flat bench because all of those people that set out to make the resolution to live a healthier life that year have dropped off. They stopped coming after two weeks. And I think what happens is a lot of times like the people want to get better. People want to lose weight. People want to get in shape. But what happens is like, man, it takes a half hour to get to the gym and then takes an hour to work out, then it takes a half hour to get back, and then, then I got a shower, and so by that time, it's like two hours of my night that's taken up. And time just gets in the way, so people stop, people fall off. Or if you got kids, maybe you got some other responsibility that comes up, and so it gets in the way. And that's just a silly little example, but I think this works for a lot of things when it comes to promises that we make goals that we set, things that we want to do better, things that we want to change about ourselves, these external factors, they get in the way. And we just, we stop pursuing it. We, we fall off. And, but here's the difference in our promises and God's promises to us. See, God's promises to us, they don't depend on external circumstances. There's never going to be a time in which God is too busy to keep his promise to you. 
There's never going to be a time where this passage in 2 Peter can't apply to you because God is tied up with something else or something got in the way or he just forgot. It doesn't work that way. And here's, here's the other truth about God's promises is that, unlike ours, God's promises do not fail. God perfectly keeps his promises, perfectly keeps his word. As a, as a matter of fact, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but God's words are not empty in scripture. When, when God says something, his words, his character, they're always, they're tied to an action. He always follows through with what he says he's going to do. And, and there is nobody in this room that can say that. I know that I can't say that. So God's promises are unlike ours and that they don't depend on other circumstances. They're unaffected by it. And he always keeps them. Uh, here's a quote here from William Carey. He says, the future is as bright as the promises of God. And we're talking about the future here this morning. The promises of God are bright. And this says, if the promises of God are bright, then, then our future in light of those promises are bright as well. But if you think about those promises that you've made and the times that, you know, we were unable to keep them versus the reality that God keeps them. Here's, here's what happens. I feel like for me, if it was up to me, I let myself down all the time. And I'm, I'm so glad I'm not in charge of my salvation because if I was, I would have ruined it by now. I will ruin it by the end of the day. I will always let myself down when it comes to that. God doesn't let us down. And here's what I think happens. We have these good intentions to do better at something. We want to do better in our marriage, right? Nobody wants a bad marriage. Everybody wants to do better in their marriage. But a lot of times, it doesn't necessarily happen. Everybody wants to quit the alcohol and quit the pornography and all of those things. And everybody has a desire to do that. But a lot of times, like truthfully, it just, it just doesn't happen. Or it takes a while to happen. And what happens is we find ourselves in this routine of constantly trying to make changes, one after the other, trying to be better, trying to be better people, trying to do these things. And then when we don't make it happen, now we've got another problem. Now we've got all the problems we had before, but now that's on top of it, now, now we've got despair from failing again. And it becomes this endless cycle of, God, I'm going to do better. Like, God, I'm, I'm going to do better next year, man. God, 2021 is my year. 2021, God, I'm going to do things better. And next thing you know, here we are in December 2021. Nothing's changed. We're still in the same spot. And we're like, man, God, I'm going to do better next year. 2022, this time, I'm making it happen. 2022, and, and it's, a, it's the same thing. I mean, I've went years trying to, trying to do better at things, trying to kick habits for things. Years. And every intention of stopping some of those things and was unable to. A lot of times our own promises can leave us empty and leave us in a cycle that leads to nowhere but hopelessness. But according to this passage, there's a different way to look at things. Because this passage tells us here that God has promised us these things. That it's not dependent on your failures or your success, that God has promised these so that you can have that. And that's what we're going to look at. That's the last truth here of this passage is because of these first two promises here, uh, 
The third is that God allows me an escape from my sinful desires. This is verse four. It says, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desires. So if you're a grammar nerd, uh, you will know this here, that the first two portions of this passage here, they start the same. Verse three, uh, it starts with his divine power is granted to us. And verse four, uh, his, he has granted to us, right? So God is a noun here, uh, granted or given, depending on your translation, is the verb and us or we, that's the direct object. And if you're a grammar nerd, you know that in English, the, the direct object, it receives the action of the verb. It doesn't affect the verb, it's affected by the verb. What this tells us here is that God has given us this power and these promises solely based on who he is and the work that Christ has done. It says we get to receive the power that God has given us. We get to receive the promises that God has given us. Not because I did better last week, not because I made God happy last week, but because that's who he is, because that's who his son is. That's what his son did. So we're given a divine nature so that we can escape the other nature, which is the the sinful corruption, or uh, as other passages put, uh, the flesh. Uh, other, there's a, other passages in scripture that talk about how our spiritual nature, once we become a Christian, once we're changed, is at war with uh, the flesh. And we, this is kind of the lifelong journey of being a Christian, by the way. And it says here that God has given us this power and these promises so that we can escape that other side of it. So that in turn, we can be free from that. The divine nature is at odds with the, the sinful nature. I can't tell you what your 2021 is going to look at, like, look like for you individually, but what I can tell you is you're going to experience this struggle. Every Christian, this is the lifelong struggle that you and I will face if you're a Christian, is that war that goes on between the spirit working in us and those desires of the flesh that still exist that we haven't quite been able to, to leave until we're fully gone from here. That's a lifelong battle. That's what your 2021, regardless of what happens to you or your job or whatever else, as a Christian, you're going you're gonna to experience this, the war that exists as a believer, internally and spiritually. But it says here, God's given us promises and power so that we can escape. There's a big difference here. There's a difference and making promises to God that we can't keep versus living in light of the promises that he's already given us so that we can escape. There's a huge difference because what I think happens a lot of times is we want to do better. We make these promises, but they're not rooted in the power of God. They're not rooted in the promises that he has given us. They're not rooted in that. Here's a quote from from John Piper here that, that describes the battle that we as Christians experience here. He says here uh, that, uh, sorry, I lost my place here. Sin is what you do when your heart is not satisfied with God. We sin because it holds out some promise of happiness. So the goal here is satisfaction. A lot of times we don't, we can't experience the power of, 
of God or live in light of his promises because we're trying to seek something else. We know we have those promises, but really what we say is like, that's not good enough for us. We want the other stuff. And if you think about it, it's not so different from Adam and Eve in the garden because they had promises from God already. And they thought, well, promise is not really, not really good enough for me. Like I want a little bit more, right? I want, I want something other than what you've promised. And some of us are here this morning, we're, we're in that cycle that we can't get out of. Some of us, we're, we're not even looking at 2021. Some of us wish we could go back to 2016 and undo something that we've done back then that's got lasting consequences for what we're experiencing now. Some of us are, are stuck. We, we tried to escape, but we, we can't get out. Here's what I believe to be is the escape. Uh, this, is, this truth is found here uh, in Philippians, actually. But a truth to be found that says, our power to live for God comes from God. I want everybody to remember that this morning. But our power to live from God, sorry, for God comes from God. You'll see that here in uh, Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 13. It says that here, so then, uh, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, both to desire and to work for his good pleasure. So this tells us here, it's God the one, it is the one that's working in us, that's going to work in us so that we can exist for his good pleasure. So our power to live for God comes from God. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. There's a, another verse that's very similar in Philippians 1.6. It says, For I'm confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work among you will complete it by the day of Christ Jesus. You know what this means if you're a Christian? God is not done working in your life. Whether you screwed up something years ago that's got lasting consequences, or whether you've got a current addiction that you can't kick, whether you're not the person you want to be at the end of 2020 that you wished you were, this passage tells us right here that God is not done with us. He will not be done with us until, until it's all completed and we're with him. And we're, we're in a state of perfection to spend eternity with him. Until then, if you're a believer, God is not done. And sometimes we, we, we feel like when we can't do the right thing, we feel like God is done with us or God is displeased with us or man, I've messed up my relationship with God because I've done something that I'm not proud of. But these passages, they tell us something different. They tell us that your performance has no effect on God's love for you and the promises that he has given you. If, if you're stuck in a place that you don't like, the good news is God is not done with you. And sometimes we need to hear that. We are powerful enough to affect the lives of other people, but we are not powerful enough to stop God's love for us as a believer. No matter what you do, we can't do it. Um, I'll tell you guys a, um, a story from a place that I was at at one point in time, but um, I remember what it was like being a new Christian. Some of you probably do too. And I remember once you become a Christian, you're like, ah, I got to stop doing some of this other stuff. So 
I remember that feeling of like, man, I know I need to kick some of this, this stuff. And I remember like the struggle of how that felt. And the whole thing about that, taking steps to kind of move past that, like, mm, I'm getting better. And the cool thing about that was, even if I messed up, I was still, like, still on the upswing, right? I was still like getting better each week. But one day, a few years later, after I kind of got over all that stuff, after I kind of kicked all that stuff, after I've been a Christian for a couple years, fell back into some of those things. And I'll tell you guys, it was much worse the second time. Because the first time, it's like, man, I'm getting better each week, but I didn't have that the second time. The second time was like, man, Matt, you were up here, now you're like down here, how are you gonna get way up there? And I would try and try, I'm like, man, I'm gonna stop this stuff, man. And I could see the damage of it. And that's the thing, guys, like I could see the destruction that some of these things would bring in my life. Like I knew that it did harm. And I, I wanted to stop, I just couldn't do it. And the, the more it's like I tried to stop, the more I did it, and the more I just felt like I was in the bottom of a hole that I couldn't get out of. And I remember one day, uh, this was when I was at Liberty, I, I had a friend. We, we had to break up into groups of two and just kind of share uh, what God was doing in our lives. And I remember I just kind of shared all this stuff, man. And I, I said, man, dude, uh, here's what I'm going through. And he stops and he looks at me and he says, Matt, uh, you just need to know that Jesus still loves you. You just need to know, like, he still loves you. And that simple truth, we sing that as a song. They've probably seen that this morning in kids' life back there. Since we're as old as we can remember that Jesus loves me. You know how powerful those words were that day to me? Jesus still loves you despite the fact that you have not lived for him, despite the fact that you're, you're trapped in all of this other stuff and all of this sin that you've been freed from but you keep going back to. Jesus still loves you. And he went as far to, to say that uh, this is why Jesus died. Like, God knew you were going to fail here. God knew you were going to fail again. And this is why he sent his son. Not because you were going to be better. Not because you were going to be perfect. Because he knew you would blow it when you got the chance again. That's why he sent his son. To be and give you what you could never be on your own to give you the righteousness that you could never attain. I mean, we're just as in need of Christ today as we have ever been, regardless of how well or not you feel that you live your life. Currently, we are just as in need of Christ's grace now as we ever were. And this is a good thing for you if you feel stuck. Because I believe realizing this is the start of getting unstuck, start of moving forward. Because through these battles and through these inward uh, wars that you have with yourself, it's important to remember that you are redeemed, that you are reconciled to God, you are his child, and nothing that you've done has changed that or ruined that. Yeah, if you fail again, guess what? You're a child of God. You have redemption. It hasn't changed who you are. God's love is not that fragile. That's why he sent his son to secure it, to seal the deal. And so what this passage tells us here, first we have to realize that. First we have to believe that, take joy in that, trust that. Then 
we can start to find freedom. And I, I would equate it to you like this. I had, I had a conversation after um, this morning, and it kind of reminds me of this. Like, if you picture yourself down in a hole, and you're trying to get out, you just can't reach it. That's how it is trying to do this the other way. But this way, embracing your forgiveness, believing God's promises to you, instead of climbing your way out, it's like you're being lifted out, like you're being carried out. I had a friend uh, fell off the waterfall at Roaring Run years ago. I thought I just watched him die. I, I watched him slide off the edge of the waterfall on his stomach. He got caught uh, on the edge of their wet rock, and it was slick. He couldn't get out, and he's swimming like something you'd see in a horror movie. Next thing I know, he's dropped off. I thought, man, I, I'm one of those people like I just watch, I just like I'm one of those college students that went home and somebody got in an accident and didn't make it, and he ended up surviving. And I remember we had to get him out of the woods enough for him to be airlifted to RMH, but. That airlift, I'll never forget it. Instead of going all the way from Eagle Rock, taking the long way up, it took him right out, took him right to the top of the hospital and got in. Guys, that's the type of redemption that God gives us. Is he, he comes and gets us out of this place. He sent his son to us. We didn't get to him. We never got to him in the first place, ever. He came to us. So if you're stuck, remember that. Your salvation in the first place was him coming to you. So take that truth. Believe it. Lift your, lift your face up this week in light of that promise. Believe those promises and live them. And in turn, escape the corruption. Escape whatever it is that's going on. Escape whatever it is that, that you're dealing with in light of the grace that God has given us. Well, I hope the Holy Spirit revealed who God is to you in that message. The thing that God revealed to me as Matt was teaching was that I try to fight the sin in my life by my own power, but I have the power of the Holy Spirit who resides in me, who raised Jesus from the dead, and it's He who fights the sin with me and brings about that change. Well, I'm excited for all that God's going to be doing in 2021. The next time that I'm going to be teaching is on January 24th. So go ahead and hit that subscribe button so you don't have to try to remember when that will be. And I'll actually be team teaching on that Sunday with a couple different uh, of our pastors. So I'm excited. And uh, as always, feel free to leave us a rating and review on the platform that you choose to listen to podcasts. Uh, that means a lot to us when you, when, you, when you do leave us a rating and review. And we hope to see you soon here at Fellowship Community Church.